0: Good morning. Uh, You guys feeling woke? I know that's not grammatically correct. It's culturally correct, though. So uh, we are coming off of a season, uh, depending on how you kind of set your 30 days up, either today or tomorrow. Coming off this season that you probably have heard about, even if you're not familiar with Wellhouse, you probably have heard about it all throughout Nashville. A season called Awaken. And uh, we started this at the end of January and we committed as a a body of people, as a group, as Leanne said, to just pray for transformation and pray for Jesus to fill the lives and and hearts and homes of the city of Nashville. And so over the last month, there's been 220,000 households that have been prayed for specifically by name. There have been postcards, so if you haven't done that yet, make sure you get those in the mail in the morning over your unique list, 15 people, 15 families that you've been able to pray over. Over. And uh, hopefully that again, there'll be stories that uh, we'll never hear, that we'll never know until we get to eternity. But I know that I'm already hearing stories from you, stories about uh, transformation that has happened in your own heart in your own life, and things that have moved and shifted. And and again, I ask if you're woke that things that have become awakened in your life to uh, th- this this intense or these intentional moments with God. And so here's what I want to encourage you to today, as that season either winds down for you today or in the morning. Don't let this be a memory, a spiritual memory of 2019. Let it be a launching point. So today or tomorrow, let it be the beginning point for something for you. It's not something that you did and it was fun and, wow, you remember that. But remember that is the moment where something shifted in my life or in our family's life or in our neighborhood's life where there was a season that we begin to live into where we continue to be awakened. And so let that be a launching point. I don't know what that means for you, if you want to continue to maybe fast in some areas or just continue to set up that intentional prayer time. I do mine in the morning. And uh, just let that continue to resonate and let God continue to work and continue to pray for revival. Continue to pray for our city. Continue to pray for your neighborhood. Continue to pray for your family and see what God will continue to do uh, in the next season. We're really excited about that. So we've got two more parts we got today and, t- and next week in Ephesians. And so we're going to move into Ephesians 5 this week, Ephesians 6 next week. And and uh, then we're going to get to a, a series that is designed specifically for our house groups that we're really excited about as well. So let's pray and then we'll get started. Father, this morning, I pray that you would um, You would continue to fuel that which has been awakened. And Father, for those that still may be asleep or still may be in slumber or still may be in a place of doubt or curiosity or cynical or hurt, that God, you would give them a moment of clarity, of peace, of comfort and rest this morning as we open your word. Father, I pray that you will continue as you have over the last seven weeks to use this letter, this beautifully penned letter to a group of people much like ours, that God you would continue to use that to transform our lives, to bring us from death to life, but not just give us life, but God, make us alive. And so Father, I pray this morning that you'll use this uh, bit of the letter, this text to, to again awaken something in us. That is, is such a, a, an, in, an, an integral part. There's so much that hinges on it. So, Father, I pray that you would do as you have to this point. Use me in this process to bring this text to life and bring it to a place where, again, transformation happens. We pray this through your Son's name. Amen. I love my sleep. Anybody else love your sleep? A lot of people give me a hard time because I don't wake up at 6 a.m. And I tell people all the time, I don't get more sleep than you. I just sleep different hours. I'm a night owl, always have been. And so, the longer you stay up at night, what's the tendency? The longer you sleep during the day. And uh, this really came into a a great deal of mastery, a a peak when I was in college. Uh, I loved to sleep. I could I could party all night, sleep all day. Uh, And you heard party all night, sleep all day. I didn't do a lot of studying. And I don't know why they gave me a certificate. Um, That's what I call it because it really wasn't a diploma. I didn't earn that. But um, I loved to sleep, and I still do. And In fact, the older I get, the less I enjoy it because I have a hard time doing it. In fact, last night I I laid awake, I think, until around 2. But I loved to sleep. And so I had this class that there was a lot riding on. I knew it, and so I was kind of, sort of, taking it serious, and uh, it was a class that was uh, going to count toward my, my degree, and it was with a professor named Dr. Hester, and what you need to know about Dr. Hester is this, he was kind of like a Riddler. He would never just come out and tell you what he wanted you to know or what you needed to know. It was always wrapped in some sort of riddle. You know what I'm talking about? You know people like that in your life. You probably have an uncle or a granddad or somebody who was like, let me tell you a story. And the story means that there was something on the other end of that that you needed to get and probably something you needed to do. And so Dr. Hester was a riddler. And one morning around midterm, and I knew, I knew how important this midterm was. My cousin was taking the class with me at the time. We had stayed up relatively late sleeping, stayed up long, or uh, not sleeping, we stayed up late studying. We stayed up longer playing video games. Well, the morning came and guess what? I overslept. And so Dr. Hester begins to pass out midterms and he asked my cousin, where is Mr. Shepherd? She said, I don't know. I mean, I know he studied because we studied together and I don't know. And he goes, okay. So he moved on. Well, then once he got the test started, he stepped out into the hallway And I hear, in my dorm room, the phone ring. Well, I had no clue what time it was, kind of rolled over, acknowledged it, and rolled back over. Then I heard the answering machine pick up. Now, for those of you who don't know what an answering machine is, (laughs) it was a device that you hooked up to your phone that served as your voicemail, and you could record, like, a voice message on it. It was really cool. We had Milli Vanilli, I think, as our kind of, uh, yeah, yeah. I give you full right to judge me on that. I don't even know why. So I hear the voice message kick on. So I hear Millie Vanilli playing. And then I hear Dr. Hester's voice. And this is what he said. He said, wake up, sleeper. Wake from the dead and Christ will shine on you. You have eight minutes to get to class, five to get ready, and it's a three-minute walk. Goodbye. Well, I immediately jumped up, threw on whatever was laying beside the bed from the night before, threw that on, and I jetted across campus. And I go in, and I go, so I, he, he cut me off, and he says, take a seat, and he handed me the midterm. So I go to work on the midterm, and everybody's starting to turn theirs in because at this point I'm 20 minutes late, and I'm finishing up, and I go to turn it in, and I was trying to do that like, or you don't make eye contact, you just kind of turn it in and go. And he said, stick around, Mr. Shepherd. There was a couple people still finishing up. And he goes, grab a seat. So I sat back down, and as everyone left, he said, come here. And he took something out of his pocket. He said, let me see your hand. And he puts a penny in my hand. And then he slides a piece of paper and a pen to the edge of the desk. He said, I just want to encourage you this morning. And here comes the riddle. He said, let's pretend that there is 86,400 of these that will be deposited into your account every morning. The only stipulation is they're yours to spend on what you want. The only stipulation is you have to spend them all by the end of the day. You don't get to keep anything that you don't spend. Write down what you would spend it on. So I look puzzled, and I'm going, and he cuts me off. He says, it's $864 a day, <laughs> seven days a week, 52, year, 52 weeks a year. It's about $315,000. Get to work, Mr. Shepherd. And so I go to work, and I'm working hard. I'm working in a fury. I got a new pair of Jordans I need. I need a new, you know, this. I need to, and I'll go ahead and fill the gas, you know, gas up in my truck because then I can kind of keep the money I'm reserving, so I'm just going to work on this. And he stops me. He says, let me see your hand again. So I hold my hand back out. And he takes his watch off and he puts his watch in my hand. And he says, every morning into your bank account of time, there is deposited 86,400 seconds. Breaks down into 1,440 minutes, 24 hours. Mr. Shepherd, I would advise you to be as passionate and as concerned about how you spend your time as you are about how you would spend your money. Good day. And I went to walk off and he said, give me my watch back. <laughs> and so it stops me and it begins to, I begin to ask and as much as I would love to say I've mastered valuing time and sorts of things. I still struggle with that, and I know that you probably do. And so there's a couple things I want you to be mindful of as we enter into the text today. Number one, I want you to be mindful of this. Are you careful about the way you spend time? And let me ask you, I mean, do you even think about it, or is it one of those days, and Lori and I had this discussion where you just kind of, you lose days almost, and you kind of got to think back, like, man, what did I do this week? Anybody have one of those? Like, what did I do this week? Or there are times I drive all the way across town, and I don't even remember the drive. For all I know, I ran red lights and cut people off, and, 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 and I'm just like, there are these moments of, and blocks of time where I'm like, I don't even remember those the, living I don't remember these moments. And so how do we spend our time? Do we spend it on, you know, frivolous activity or do we do things that matter? Do we have these moments where we really are deeply invested? We thought about our day. We, we thought, you know, here's what hinges on this moment. And this moment is going to be a significant moment. Do we, do we stop and we consider those kinds of things? You know, the difference between good achievement and great achievement really comes down to how we spend and how we value time. And we know this, everyone gets the same amount. We know that time is not renewable. It's not a renewable resource. We know that it it doesn't multiply. It doesn't gain interest. You can't borrow it. You can't save it up. And he says, in his riddle, he says, do be mindful of how you spend your time. And so take that into the text this morning. How do you spend your time? The second is this. Do we realize that within these moments of time, that there are opportunities to affect not just the current moment, but to begin to affect tomorrow, that in these, these pockets of time, these moments of time, that I'll take it even, stretch it even farther, there are opportunities for us to affect eternity. That's what this whole awaken thing has been about. It's, 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 a, it's making us aware that there are moments and there are things that we do, things we say, interactions that we have that have the, the, the possibility to, to awaken And so here's where we get with this. We can either choose to engage that or evade that. We can continue or decide to invest in that or ignore that. But here's what we know, that this particular moment and what we do in it will have effects on the future moments will never come about again. There may be similar moments that come about. There may be other moments, but that one is gone forever. And so how we use time, our awareness of time, There is a lot that hinges on this. And so with those two things in mind, Paul's going to say, let me give you a wake-up call. Let me encourage you to to, to stop sleeping and and think about time. And so Ephesians chapter 5, we've been walking through this letter called Ephesians, and the reason it's called that is it gets its name from Ephesus, which is where this church was planted, and Paul's writing a letter back to them. And Paul says, be mindful of time. Now, if you weren't here last week, let me just give you a quick quick reminder of some things. Remember that what he's about to say in chapter 5 is coming off of a section in chapter 4 and into 5 where he urges us, in fact he uses the word I insist, I really strongly encourage you to live in such a way that our thinking changes and our actions change. In light of the transformation that you have gone through and are continuing to go through, in light of this new identity that you've been given, in light of who God is and how he has brought you from death to life, he says, be mindful of that. He says, allow yourself to have a renewed thinking. And we decided last week that sometimes it just means getting busy. That we act out in such a way, and if we act out in such a way, that it will eventually begin to change who we are inside, as well as changing inside changes our outside. Somebody sent me something this morning, I wished I had, or last, this last week, I wished I'd had it last week. Robert Orr says this we do not think ourselves into a new way of living, we live ourselves into new ways of thinking. And so that's what Paul's saying that the goal is total transformation. And so in light of that, we move into or we move from this redirected life to a place where we begin to evaluate our time. And here's what he says, starting in verse 14. It's going to sound familiar from the answering machine. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise but as wise to one another out of reverence with Christ. Here's what Paul says You have been deposited with life. You have been deposited with life, and life comes with opportunities. You have been made alive for a purpose, you have been renewed for a reason, you have been redirected for a mission. And what you do with this newfound life matters, and it comes down to time. Verse 15, he says, be careful in how you live. If you kind of dig through that translation, here's what he really says. Be careful how you walk. In fact, a better translation there would probably have been walked, because here's what he's saying. It it denotes there, it says it depicts daily movement. He says, as you are going, meaning that there is an expectation that you're not just going to stand still. None of us just stand still. You're going to walk today. And your walking is going to take you to all sorts of places. Places that I'm not going to be and places that that, that you'll be. And and so as we walk, as we're living, as we move, he says, there's something I want you to be careful of. I want you to be mindful of. Rewind. If you go back to verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 5, here's where, or chapter 5, verse 2, he says, walk, what? In the way of love. Verse 8, he says, walk as children of light. Verse 15, he says, now, be careful in the way that you walk. I was at Opry Mills a couple weeks ago, and I had to go in and return something and, and, and leave, and I encountered a moment where it was that moment where you go, do I need to call security? Do I need to take my cell phone out and record? Or do I need to run? And what happened was there was a guy who was walking down the mall. We all do it, right? Like this. Not paying attention. And he runs into a lady who, guess what, is doing this. And she loses her stuff. She says, you need to watch out where you're walking. And so this is about to blow up. He's getting back at her, and then one of the kiosk mob bosses steps in. And he says, well, hey, you know, to be fair, you were on your phone, too. And she says, I didn't ask you. And he said, well, can I show you something? Um, and it was like this moment. <laughs> it was this moment where this is about to go down. And so finally they got to a place where they sort of kind of agreed it was both of our faults. We'll move on. And Paul says... Watch where you're going. Head up. Be mindful. Be careful of how you're walking. Verse 15, as we continue to move that, he says, not as unwise, but wise. He says, let me give you what being careful looks like. Let me give you what being aware looks like. And here's what it is. He says, I want to connect to that. When you're walking in step with God, Christian living has to connect to wisdom. It has to connect to godly wisdom. This is a major theme all throughout God's story. People that are pursuing wisdom, godly wisdom. God, give me your eyes. Give me your heart. Give me your thoughts. May may I see things that are above me and beyond me. God, may I see the world. May I see relationships. May I see things that are not within my ability or capacity at the moment to see. God, I need your wisdom. There was a guy named Solomon who could have asked for anything in the world. In fact, God says, tell me what you want. I'll give it to you. He could have asked for anything. And here's what he asked. God, make me wise. Make me wise like you. Make me see things that are beyond my capacity to see. God, I want to seek your wisdom. And so he writes this this book called Proverbs. And here's what he says right out of the gate in chapter 1. He says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. He's saying you've got to seek God's wisdom at all costs. Chapter 4, he goes on to say, I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. You want to walk straight paths. You want to be careful and mindful of how you walk. It begins to have this moment where wisdom, Wisdom is infused. It's godly wisdom. Later on in chapter 4, he says, Do not set foot on the paths of the wicked or walk in the ways of evildoers. Well, how do we know the difference? Wisdom. God infuses us with wisdom. and He says, don't walk as the unwise, but walk as wise. He says, let me give you some walk talk. Let me make you aware that what you pursue with your mind what you are aware of in connection with your walk, in connection with the way you live, he said it's important. There's a lot riding on it. And here's the real thrust of this text. He says there is a a massive amount of things that hinge on this. He says in verse 16, he says what? He says, because the days are evil, he says, so therefore make the most of every opportunity. And I want you to settle in here for just a second. When he says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Here's what he's saying. If we can kind of pare it down and shell it down, here's the core of it. Making the most of your time equals redeeming time. We say that again. Making the most of your time equals redeeming redeeming time. Let me put it another way. In these moments, every moment that you make the best use of the opportunities put in front of you, you get to buy up time. You go, hold up, I thought you said it wasn't a renewable resource, and you couldn't save it, and you couldn't borrow it, and you couldn't. No, in in these moments, he says, because the days are evil, so make the most of every opportunity. He says, you get to be a part of redeeming the days. You get to redeem time. See, this is not drab. Here's what it is. It's redemptive. It's not fear and anxiety while you wait in this dark world. You know, it's not the message of, okay, it's really evil, so I need you to find a real safe bubble to get in and protect yourself at all costs. He says, no, get out in the mix and make the most of every opportunity. Go and redeem time. God has already come through. What are you waiting on? He said, go live like it. You have the opportunity to redeem time from evil. You have been given new life. You've been made alive in Christ. You've been given new identity. You've been brought into this new way of thinking and vision to be a part of something, to be a part of God's redeeming plan against evil. And I know that evil seems like such a strong word. We typically reserve evil on the index of really bad things. But Paul says, listen, evil is all around you. There's darkness that is all around you. He says there is a battle between that which is good and which is bad. We're going to get into that next week, making sure that we're fighting that the struggle is real. He says, but in this, he says, you're not hopeless and you're not useless. And so instead of hovering in a bunker because everything's bad and everything's evil, and I just don't think that it's ever going to get any better, Paul says, you know what? How about you go and redeem time? Redeem the day. Seize the moment. He says you've been given the opportunity to do something good and you can use your time wisely. You can be careful in the way that you do it. You get to bring light to darkness. And so go back to the original question. How are we using time? You know, we have sophisticated devices to measure time. But let me ask you, what if your, what if your watch had a fourth hand? What if it had a fourth hand? One that measures minutes, one that measures hours, one that measures seconds, and one that measures the effective use of your time. Most of you are like, I wouldn't buy that watch. (laughs) Others are like, do they sell that watch? Because I need that. Do they sell that for a coworker of mine? Because I'd like to take a look at their fourth hand. Because I'm always having to pull the weight. But how do we use our time? And I tell you, if I were to look at mine, I've wasted a lot of time. Time and opportunities that I'll never get back. And Paul says, be careful in the way that you walk and be mindful of the time that you've been given. So, how do we begin to count the pennies? Or better yet, make the pennies count? Here's how he says, you're watchful, you're careful. You pursue wisdom. You live daily, momentarily to make a difference. And you begin to fill your day with the things that are characters of Christ, that are characters of God. Because remember, you've taken on his identity now. So what does that look like? I begin to fill my day with acts of kindness and good deeds. And I live to serve others. I promote and I elevate others' needs above my own. I seize moments. I redeem time Time that might otherwise go wasted. In a phrase, you invest well. You begin to invest every penny well. And you realize that not one penny goes unnoticed, and not one penny is less important than the other. And so I'm going to navigate my day investing well. Now the rest of this text, here's what he goes on to say. He says you need to speak well to one another. Speak well of God and to God. He says, open yourself up to the Spirit. Live a life full of thankfulness. What it comes down to, he says, so make yourself available. Make yourself available in worship. Make yourself available in serving. Make yourself available to life. And here's what I'm learning. When I begin to take note of the fourth hand, and I begin to make myself and open myself up, and available to God, I begin to seek his wisdom. Here's what I'm learning. The more he'll fill me with his likeness. And God will continue to not just give me opportunities, he'll give me more opportunities. And he'll give me better opportunities. And he'll trust and trust me with more and more. He'll give me the opportunity to impact people's lives and equip them for the walk. So as we land today, here's really what it boils down to decision-wise, I've got to decide what I'm going to do with the time that is given me. I can engage or I can evade. I can invest or I can ignore, but I want to be a part of redeeming time. I found a story that I just thought was great to kind of wrap today up, and there was a church, Presbyterian Church, First Presbyterian in Concord, California, that was given a unique opportunity to redeem time. It made me think, do I think in these ways? Do would I act in these ways? Would I pursue redemption in these ways? So years ago, before pornography was readily available on your phone or in the privacy of your laptop, people used to have to go to stores and theaters. And you're like, who would ever do that? Well, a lot of people did that. And so their area in Concord, California, had become really a hotbed for those sorts of things, several adult bookstores and theaters. And there was a theater that was right beside of their property. In fact, it it adjacent, it joined their property. And a theater had uh, given out a lease to an adult movie company. And so they began to talk, what do we do with this? You know, we obviously don't want that in our, literally, our next door. And they said, you know, we, we need to really begin to pray and ask God, how do we begin to redeem what has been put in this place? How do we, how do we be light into darkness? And they could have done a, a variety of things, all the things you've seen churches do. Or they could have protested and they could have held up loud and obnoxious signs. You know, they could have sought to change laws to prevent them being adjoined to the church. They could have kicked and screamed and made it into a media frenzy. But here's how they chose to be mindful and wise about how they redeemed it. They approached the owner and said, we'd like to buy the building. He said, well, you know, it's going to cost. They said, we'll pay you more than what you want. We'll pay you more than it's worth. So they purchased the property, and here's the beautiful thing of what they did. They honored the lease. They didn't walk in. They didn't have the legal right. They knew that there was about a year and a half left on the lease. And so they began to get to know the owner of the theater. They said, well, I guess, you know, we're going to have to go to court and figure this out. And they said, no, we're going to honor your lease. And so for the next year and a half, they continued to let that theater show those movies. And when that lease was up, they stepped in and said, now we have the opportunity. We were wise. We navigated carefully. We navigated carefully. We didn't show ourselves to be fools in the community. But now is the time for us to redeem time. And so they opened up a facility that still stands to this day in that theater where there's a music academy. There's an arts academy for the community. YMCA groups meet there. Scouts meet there. There's a wheelchair soccer league that meets there. There's AA groups that meet there. They are redeeming time. There is opportunity that continues because they were wise and aware and they had their head up and they looked. How do we make the best of the opportunities? There's places where help and healing connection and music literally flows from that space. So he says, be a part of redeeming time. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is.